We are not practicing religion today. We're not. We've come here to experience the love of God today. We've come to experience the love of God. But the only way you can experience the love of God is on his terms. If there are reasons in your life that you don't feel worthy to be loved by God, we're going to take care of those. Because those reasons didn't come from God. They came from the adversary and from your past. And God cannot do any more for me than I will allow him to do because of my faith and confidence in his love. So without faith and confidence in God's love, I can't receive anything from him. I cannot earn or deserve his love, ever. The principle of the gospel is, according to Matthew chapter 10, verse 8, freely ye have received, freely give. So if I don't receive his love freely, I have no love to give back to him or to others. If you've read your Bible, John chapter 21, where Jesus, the disciples are out fishing. This is some uh, probably 35, 40 days after his resurrection, but before his ascension. And the disciples are out fishing. Jesus shows up on the floor, on the shore. And uh, he says to them, Cast your nets on the right side. And they said, we've, we've toiled all night and caught nothing, but at your word, we will do what you say. So they threw the, net, the nets over the side where they'd been fishing all night and caught nothing. And now their nets were so full of fish that it almost swamped the boat. Jesus, rather than staying with his uh, friends and partners, etc., cetera, uh, not Jesus, Peter jumped in the water and swam to shore and said to Jesus, I'm a sinner. I'm not worthy to fellowship with you. Well, there was a meal being prepared. It is a meal that Jesus was cooking. There was nobody else there to cook it. And the meal was was prepared when they got to the shore. It was prepared. And he cooked bread and fish on a fire. I don't know where he got all those ingredients. I don't know how he did all that. It doesn't matter. He prepared the meal. He prepared the meal. And it was waiting on them. But after they'd eaten and they were sitting there, he asked Peter, Peter, do you love me? And uh, Peter says, Lord, I love you. This is the King James. And uh, he said, "Uh, feed my sheep. And he asked Peter again, uh, Peter, do you love me? And... And uh, Peter responded, Lord, I love you. He said, feed my lambs. And he said, Peter, do you love me the third time? And then Peter said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And he said, feed my sheep. Now, that's wonderful, except that we don't get the meaning. Because the Greek words are not the same. 
Jesus said to Peter, do you agape me? Peter said, Lord, I filio, filio, filio you, which is human love and emotion. Jesus asked Peter the second time, Peter, do you agape me? Jesus said, or Peter said, Lord, I filio you. The third time Jesus said, Peter, do you really filio me? And Peter broke then and said, Lord, you know all things. You know I filio. In other words, Lord, I don't have your love to give back to you as the first commandment has commanded. The greatest of all the commandments is, Hero is the Lord our God is one Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Well, I'm supposed to love God with agape, but there's only one way to have agape to love him with. That's to receive it first. First John 4, 19, we love him because he first loved us. So if I don't let him love me without me earning it or deserving it, I don't have the, the, the love that qualifies uh, in my obedience to him. I can do all I want out of feeling, but it's human love you're loving him with. And human love is very inconsistent. Nobody's going to go to heaven loving God with human feelings. Because it's too inconsistent. Plus, it cannot stand the test of trials. Because when things are going bad, human love fails you. Because you want to know why after you have loved God with such strong feeling, He's letting this stuff happen to you. Agape love always understands. Agape love knows that because He loves me, gave Himself for me, He's not letting anything happen that's not a part of His plan and purpose. And I'm not going through it by myself. He's right here with me. And that He's going to bring me through it better in him than I was before it started. Agape knows that. Filio doesn't. Because Filio expects out of God that you're going to not let me have any pain, no problem, no pressure. I'm not ever going to go into You're going to keep me from bad and harm. That's what human emotions expect. It's like... Uh, uh, when your wife snaps at you, which hasn't happened very many times in 52 years, but uh, it's probably not because she hadn't felt like it. Well, you know, it's easy to get hurt by that because you're loving her with filio. But I think it's better to let God love your spouse through you with his love because then that doesn't put expectations on them it's unreasonable for them to meet from a human perspective. And if I'm loving someone with God's love, I'm loving, I'm seeing them with his eyes, not mine. I'm seeing them with his eyes. Well, that means he's seeing me with his eyes. When he sees me, yeah, he knows about all my humanity and whatever, but he sees me with the confidence in himself 
of what he's able to make me to be. So my faults and flaws and failures don't rattle him. And he doesn't go, oh, what am I thinking? Expecting this person to be able to do this, this, this when they got all these problems. No. My humanity doesn't rattle God because his confidence is not in my humanity. His confidence is in his own love and his own ability to make me what he wants me to be. And because of that, Galatians 5 and 6 says that faith operates. The King James word is worketh, but the Greek word is to be activated by and is operated by love. And that's why some of you came in here with needs. And you very well may go home with those needs unmet. Not because God's not willing, because I want to tell you something right now in the Holy Ghost. The Lord is in this place to meet your needs. The question is not whether or not he's willing. The question is whether or not you believe he's willing and able. Well, you know, well, okay, I know he can do this, but whew, I got this problem over here and it's too big. And, and I've done this and I've not done that. And so all these are the reasons why he can't do that. No, those are the excuses you're using for not trusting his love to do what he's able and willing to do in your life. But we need to eliminate those excuses. How do we do that? Repentance. The Bible says, if our heart condemn us not, we have what we ask for from the Lord because God is greater than our heart. But if our heart condemn us, we can't believe and trust God to give us what it is we need. Why, why does God want to do for us? Well, the reason he wants to do for us is because he loves us. Now, I realize that there are such things called dysfunctional families, and I realize that some people have uh, been unfortunate enough to, to be born to parents that at least one of them are very selfish people, that it's all about them. But when it comes to what God expects parents to be, parents do for their children because they're their children, because they love them and want to do for them. They do according to their ability, okay? And some parents may have more ability than others, but it's not a question of willingness. Not a question of willingness. So if you take your baggage from your parents and apply it to God, then you're not going to get anything from God. Because he is the father. And you, we are his children. And he wants to demonstrate his love to us as his children. Not for the purpose of proving that we're good enough. Not for the purpose of saying, well, look what you, you, you good boy. 
you know, and we, you know, I said it many, many times, and uh, and and we all well, parents do this. We say, "Your kids, you may be going someplace and be good now." Well, the implied point of that is, be good or else. And the other implication is, I'm expecting you to be good. If you're not, I'm going to be very disappointed in you. Well, (laughs) the Lord took care of all of his disappointment in me on the cross. That's where he dealt with all of his disappointment in me. You know the old saying that such and such a person was the fastest gun in the West? I'm not trying to be sacrilegious when I say the Lord Jesus Christ is the fastest forgiver in existence. In fact... The scripture says he knows the words you're going to say before they come out of your mouth. And when when you make the decision to repent and you begin to say the words, he's already forgiving right then. Now, the problem is we ask God to forgive us of things many times, but we don't believe he forgave us. You know how I know that? Because we don't act like we believe we're forgiven. Because we still act like we're guilty. And of course people say, well that's too easy. No, it's not easy at all. Because you look at the price he paid to provide all of that. He made it easy for us. But it was very, 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 it was a very great sacrifice on his part. Why? Because the one that does all the work gets the credit. And if you can earn your forgiveness, you get the credit. But since the Lord did all the work and you have to decide whether you're going to believe what he's offering and receive that, then he gets the credit. It is, uh, it's, we're just, it's humans, okay? And so I'm not going to say to you it's disappointing that you have to talk somebody into receiving the greatest things that they could possibly imagine getting. But it's true. Some of us have been through so many things and so many things have happened in our lives that we have completely lost hope of believing certain things in our life can even be any different than they are. (laughs) The moment I... I repent and I'm forgiven. The moment I am repent and forgiven, I'm talking about people that are already saved. And the scripture says to those that are saved, if we say we have no sin, we're a liar and the truth's not in us. But if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And there are some people that are so religious, they want to punish people who have sinned and repent Because they're afraid that if they forgive them, they'll get taken advantage again. And so they don't have faith, whether it's their culture or their own opinions of themselves. They just can't accept that God is able to forgive like that. Maybe they had a parent that didn't forgive like that. Maybe they have a husband or a wife or had a husband or wife that doesn't forgive like that. Whatever. 
But this is everything in our walk with God. The ability to receive what God has for us because he loves us rather than by earning it or trying to earn it is the whole crux of this. Now, again, I'm saying this because a couple of folks here, you're struggling with this from this perspective. Well, you're making the Christian life out that you're not supposed to do anything. Put on the screen for me, please, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse, I'm going to start with verse, uh, oh, let's, you know, it's not even 11 yet. Uh, Verse 1, Ephesians 2 and 1. We're going to read quickly here. So be ready, please. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation. And the word conversation in 1611 when the King James was written means something very different than today. Conversation was your whole lifestyle. Today it's just you're talking to somebody. But the Greek word there is is, that conversation translates is your whole lifestyle, your whole persona. We all had our lifestyle, conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God. But God. That word B-U-T right there, you hear me. That's the dividing line between your past and your future, if you'll accept it. That's where everything changes right there, if you will believe it. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, he loved us even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace are you saved, uh, you're saved and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of, the, of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves is the gift of God and, and not of works lest any man should boast. And you see, no, no, go, go back to the last verse quickly, please. Wait, oh, thank you. Okay. And this is where most Christianity stops. And this is where they preach that you don't have to do anything to be saved. Because they quit reading. Because if they keep reading, it's inconvenient to their doctrine. So go back one more verse. I'm going to read these three verses together. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Now, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So we are create, we don't, we can't save ourselves by being good. We can't say, save ourselves by saying some magic formula that you can't even find in the Bible. Now, I'd hate to part with it, but I drove up here today in a Lincoln 
aviator. The color of it is flight blue. Imagine that. And I just had to add a little gold pinstripe around that blue. And I won't go explain that anymore. And if you know all about that, then you know why. And if you don't, that's okay too. But I've got the key laying right over here. Okay? And you can drive it home today. And I will pay all of the lease payments, buy all the fuel, pay the insurance on it for you. And all you've got to do is show me in the Bible a verse that literally says that we are to say, I accept the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Savior and I'm saved. That's all you got to do. Considering the hundreds and hundreds of thousands and millions and millions of people in this world that are trusting that statement for their salvation, surely somebody here can bring me a verse that says, literally says, say, I accept the Lord Jesus, or confess, I accept the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, and then I'm that saves me. Just bring me the verse. In fact, I, I don't even need to keep talking if you can if you've got that verse, because obviously I don't even know what I'm talking about. But I am one hundred and ten percent sure that I will be driving my car home. Because I wasn't gambling with you. I looked and looked and looked. And I used to do that looking manually, but now I've got, I've had Bible software programs for 20 years, and now I've got about 10 different Bible apps, and none of them can come up with that phrase. Because it's not in there. Now, for those of you that, now that you're saved, you're trying to earn or keep saved by your good works. I've got a verse for you. Having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? Because the good works that I do are produced by the love of God in me, through me. And if I'm not doing the good works, then I don't have the the love of God working in me. And if I don't have the love of God working in me, I don't have God in me because God is love. And so here we are. I'm looking at people with needs. Now, of course, if you don't know this, uh, uh, Antioch Central, actually uh, some of North and, uh, and maybe West, I don't know, what, whatever, have participated in a back-to-school revival this week. It started Thursday night. And the youth are downstairs with the preacher of that revival. So you got the old guy, they got the young guy. The advantage of the old guy is... Uh, I've been doing this a long time. That's an advantage. Trust me. Especially standing here today. And I'm not going to explain that statement. But when I see in my spirit all the things that God would do in this place for you, but I'm wondering how much he's going to get to do because without his love working in me, there's no expectancy, no expectancy, there's no faith. 
And there's a statement that's been made for years. It's not a biblical quote, but it is biblical principle. And that is, (laughs) as soon as I can remember it, I'll tell you. (laughs) Just, I was with my youngest son the other day, and that happened to him, and I was so happy. (laughs) Because he just turned 40. So that has nothing to do with being almost 75, right? Because it's been happening like that for years. You and I need to believe God loves us. If we, faith works by love. If I don't believe the love of God, then I have no expectancy. I have no faith, and I cannot do that. Now, the Lord has promised me this. Some of you will hear the words of man. Some of you will hear the Spirit speak. And those that hear the Spirit speak will have faith and God will work in your life today. Those that don't hear the Spirit speak, they're not going to have faith and you'll be spectators. I don't mean that unkindly. But here's the thing I try to remember. God does not respond to need. He responds to faith. Why is that? Well, because if he ever violated anybody's will to meet their need, he would have to resurrect everybody in hell today and apologize to them for not violating their will to save them. And the reason he responds to faith is because faith is a decision of the will. And once I decide to believe him and trust him, that gives him the right to work in my life because in this life, God will never violate a human's will. So all the stuff my wife was talking about earlier that we blame God for, you got to look to the people involved and the decisions they made. Now, there's some folks sitting here that have been raised in this. And you are struggling because of things going on in your family or your life or whatever. And you're using your struggles as an excuse to live in ways that you know is wrong. And you don't even realize that what you're doing by the stuff you're involved in. And if you think I'm just shooting at that back wall. Now, Brother Hurt, he'll stare you in the eyeball. And I don't have any problem with that at all. But normally for me, I look off in the distance because I'm trying not to put you on the spot because that's just a different way that God uses me. What he does is very effective. In fact, uh, he'll be back this coming weekend. Thank God. What a man of God. What a man of God. What a blessing he's been here. Amen. But his, his gifting in ministry is different than mine, and so he's going to point you out. Well, sometimes I do that, but not very much. So I'm talking to a couple of individuals here. I could call your name. You want me to do that? I don't think you do. And you come sit here, but out there you're struggling, and you're, you call it struggling, but you're making decisions to do the stuff you're involved in. 
And you're really doing it deep down inside to punish God for not letting your life be as perfect as you thought it would be. Not let your family be as perfect as you thought it should be. And so because God hasn't made your life as perfect as you think it should be, you're out there doing stuff you know is wrong. And you call it struggling, but it's not. It's wrong decisions. You're making the decision. Nobody's making you do that. But here's the beautiful message this morning. He'll forgive you right now. Wipe it all away. Done. Finished. So that you don't have a past, you only have a future. No matter what it is. No No matter how long you've walked away from him. If you're ready to come home to him, He's ready for you to come home. He can't violate your will. He's wanted you to come. He never wanted you to leave. He wants you to come home now. But he can't force you to come home. Unless you choose to do that. If you choose to come home, he will do everything necessary to help you. Not only to make it back where you need to be with him, but to go beyond that. Because hear me right now. There's one thing you figure out quickly about the love of God when you really begin to experience it. His patience and long-suffering is unlike anything else in this world. And because of his patience and long-suffering, sometimes we think that our lives are okay with him. Because he doesn't fry us with lightning strike every time we blink the wrong way. And he doesn't. In fact, one scripture says it this way, speaking of man's humanity, because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily. Therefore, the hearts of the sons of men are fully set in them to do evil. What does that mean? Because God doesn't immediately judge us for our wrongs. In fact, he never immediately judges us for our wrongs. God never judges until we leave him no choice because he's dealt with us and dealt with us and dealt with us and dealt with us and dealt with us. And we've said no and no and no and no and no and no and no. But there comes a point that the love of God says, okay, this isn't working. So I'm going to have to do something different to get your attention. He loves us. He loves you, he loves me, and he is willing to forgive. So that is far longer than I expected to go today because actually I didn't expect to minister the word at all, but uh, there are some precious people here that are going to leave without what God prepared them to receive. And that if I would have just prayed a while ago, you would not have got it because... You're struggling, trusting the love of God. Everything he will do today, whatever that need is, every need you have that he wants to demonstrate his love for you today, every bit of it can only be received as a gift of his love. Now, one more thing before I pray here. And you'll hear this again. If you're in need of a healing or a miracle or a deliverance or whatever it may be today, 
You want to be free. In some situations, it might be best to stay exactly like you are. Why? Because if God's love meets your need and you take this new health you've got, this new body you've got, this new heart you've got, this new mind you've got, this new freedom you've got, and you take it like the prodigal did and you go out and waste it with living after your flesh, living after the desires of your own mind and your own will, the penalty for that is eternity is very great because to whom much is given, much is required. And over the years, my wife and I have received personal miracles that were amazing. And God's still in the miracle work of business. He's still doing amazing things. She's been through cancer three times. God has worked three times. The last time they didn't really give us any hope. And by the time they did the surgery, they couldn't find any cancer anywhere. Well, if the cancer was gone, why did they do the surgery? Because the Lord didn't tell us not to do the surgery. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. And He told us in the beginning of that third trip that this time He was not going to miraculously take it away like He did the first two times. But this time we were going to travel the entire journey. And the, the Lord touched a lot of people's lives on that journey through my wife and her faith and her confidence in the love of God. In fact, the oncologist, when we went in to have chemo before the surgery, because they didn't even believe the surgery would work instead of doing surgery, then chemo, they did chemo first because they, didn't, they thought the cancer was too far gone for the surgery to, to work. They couldn't guarantee the surgery to work without chemo first. And, and she told us, the oncologist told us, I can't guarantee you that my medicine is going to shrink these lumps so the surgery will work. I will do the best I can. Well, we, we got to see her very regularly and talk to, uh, talk to our, our faith walking through this with her. And when it was over with, after uh, six months of being involved with her, uh, and after we got the report, she got the report that there was no cancer. She says, this is called a CR, a complete response. And we thanked her. She said, no, no, you're, you're, don't misunderstand. My medicine didn't do this. I know my medicine. My medicine didn't do this. Where you were, and where this is now, my medicine couldn't get it there. She said, God did this. The, the, the doctor said, God did this. Well, I, I got news for you. You know, some of you that don't know us put us on some kind of pedestal where we're these non-human people. So 
our lives don't have to challenge you, see. Well, they're, they're the preacher and they're perfect, so... Uh, we, we, don't have to, we don't have to be challenged or convicted by their life and their faith and whatever. Wrong. You see this stuff? That's flesh. That is real, honest-to-goodness flesh. The real stuff. Okay? And I'm a lot of things, but superhuman is not one of them. Now, abundantly human, yes. Superhuman, no. And I stand here today before you holding this microphone because of the love of God, because of the grace of God, because of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And everything he's done and everything he said and all the stuff he's prevented and all that, he did strictly out of his love. But all the stuff he's allowed, all the stuff that he permitted, all the stuff that has happened that some would call bad. He permitted that out of his love also. Why? Well, my wife mentioned about Lazarus. He was the friend of Jesus from a human perspective. Jesus didn't show up and heal him when he was sick. Jesus let him die. Why? Because the Lord said, this is for the glory of God. In other words, how are people going to know that Jesus can raise the dead if there's never any dead to raise? So, that's as much of a pep talk I can give you. What you do right now is up to you. What you do right now is going to have a significant impact on whether or not you leave this place with your needs being met and I have a word from God that everyone who will receive it today will receive whatever need they have met today. Now, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Well, there's this guy on TV saying that. I don't know anything about all that. I don't watch all that mess. Uh, and I don't mean to be offensive if you don't consider it mess. That's between you and God. It is a show. It's a production and I'm not into performances and productions. It's not about me. It's not about the one praying. It's about Jesus. And you know what I love about COVID? That if I don't have the faith to believe for you to receive without touching you, you're not getting anything. And if you don't have the faith to believe that God can touch you right where you are without anybody touching you, no human touching you, then you're not going to receive it. Now, just study the number of times in the Bible where Jesus either heals somebody or prayed for them or whatever, and he touched them. It's a very small percentage of the times he ever healed anybody that he actually touched them. And the, and the centurion, the Roman army officer, uh, he said to Jesus, just speak the word in my servant. You don't have to come to my house and pray for the man. Just right here, standing right here, right now in the street, Jesus. You say the word of command and my servant will be healed. Jesus called that great faith. You know why? That person fully understood that God is everywhere. And that human agency is not necessary to get that job done. He's here right now. So let's take care of. Let's take care of the hindrances. The blood of Jesus Christ has been shed for you. 
the same blood that is shed for your forgiveness is the same blood that's shed for your healing. That's the same blood that's the basis upon which your miracle takes place. If you can believe the Lord and His blood for your sins to be forgiven, then you can believe the Lord and His blood for your body to be healed and made whole. Same blood. Same blood. Same work. In fact, quite frankly, from an eternal perspective, being forgiven of my sins because of His blood is so much more of a great miracle than any physical miracle He could do in this place today. Than any of them. So, in your own words, you don't have to itemize everything. You only have to name something that God puts in your mind that you need to be specific about. Most of the time, Lord, forgive me. Uh, I, I, I pray this way. I confess my iniquities and every sin that those iniquities have produced in me. I confess them and I seek your forgiveness today. You pray, repent however you want to. Come on, let's do that. In Jesus' name, Sister Wright, sing, please. In Jesus' name, right now, between you and God, right now, right now, between you and Jesus, everything that will hinder your ability to believe God loves you. Well, what if it's so bad? Don't you understand that in God's eyes, sin is sin? There is... That little lie you tell is just as bad to God as if you murdered a thousand people. From an eternal perspective, it's all a violation of God's word. And the blood of Jesus Christ is shed for your forgiveness of all your sins. There isn't anything he can't forgive you of if you'll receive it right now. In the name of Jesus, if you'll believe it right now. In the name of Jesus... In the name of Jesus. The Bible says there is none good, no, not one. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says there's none good, no, not one. There isn't anybody in this place that doesn't need to repent today. Why am I not repenting? Because... I took care of that early, early, early this morning so that I could minister to you. Come on. We're not in a hurry here. In Jesus' name. Brother Wright, what if I repented of something before and I did it again? Repent again. You think the Lord is has, is going to run out of forgiveness? But, but, but what if I... I repented, but I intended to do it again. Let me tell you something. Every sin is a decision of the will. There's no sin I commit that I've been overpowered and made by anything to do. So if he can forgive it the first time, he can forgive it the 50th time. And one of these times, we're finally going to trust him for it to take. And we won't go back to that thing. But until then, keep confessing, keep keep repenting, keep getting forgiven. 
Why? Because the Bible says our sins and our iniquities have separated between us and our God so that He has hidden His face from us. So we're repenting today so that the Lord will not hide Himself from us because we stubbornly hold on to our sin. Let me tell you what repentance is acknowledging. Lord, I can't do this myself. I can't do this myself, Lord. I failed again, Father, because I was trusting me. I failed again, Father, because I was trying to be good on my own. And I failed. Come on. Rise up, Holy Ghost. Rise up, faith. Believe God. Believe the love of God. Believe the word of God. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 The grace of God. If your heart condemns you, God is greater than your heart. And He will not answer your prayer because your heart won't let Him answer it. But if you confess all of your sins and let His blood cleanse you, all of that obstruction will be taken away so that you can trust Him, so you can believe Him, so you can receive from Him. That doesn't earn you and I anything, but it acknowledges Him. It acknowledges He's God and we're not. He is never going to do anything to us, for us, or through us that in any way would seem as though it condones our life of living in contradiction to the Word of God. He's never going to do it. He's never going to do it. But He's made the way possible because of His shed blood. He's made the way possible for me to receive everything He has for me. It's called reconciliation. God has reconciled our our uh, wrong relationship or our lack of relationship with him because we've chosen our flesh we've chosen our our will over him and his word and his will and we have a right to do that in this life he's going to let us do it but he's not going to ignore our sinful choices and still do for us what he promised he would do because everything he does for you today will be done because of his grace because of his love and if I can't believe that he loves me there is nothing he can give to me because I won't let him in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus 
If you believe the Lord has heard you and forgiven you, I want you to just raise your hands. You don't have to do it loud, but I want you to thank Him. I want you to thank Him for His forgiveness. I want you to thank Him for cleansing you with His blood all over again, fresh and new. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, come on. Are you thankful? Are you truly thankful? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The greatest miracle he has ever done or ever will do in your life is forgiving you of your sins. The greatest thing God will ever do for you, has ever done for you, is to forgive you of your sins. Are you thankful? Are you thankful? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 Now, if you're here today and you're in pain right now, not you were this morning or you were yesterday, but I mean right this minute. I, I'm not asking what the pain is from, but you're in pain right now. I want you to stand. If you're not in pain, please be seated. If you're in pain right now, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Wow, you're a healthy bunch, aren't you? Okay. Praise God. The presence of the Lord is here to heal. <clears throat> Raise your hands. Receive your healing right now. Receive it. It's not dramatic. It's not it's not putting on some kind of a, 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 a show. It's the Lord's here right now. Receive it. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. This isn't about me and you. This is about you and him. Receive it. He's here right now. He told me he was going to heal those that would receive it today. Today. He promised. In the name of Jesus. If your mind is on your pain rather than on Jesus. That's not receiving. Get your mind on him. Connect and communicate with him. And receive it. I need a little bit more volume on the house, please. I, I'm not trying to blow anybody away, but I'm not yelling and screaming. So, thank you. In Jesus' name. Come on. Come on. Come on. In Jesus' name. Now, this is not a cop-out. It's just the truth. All right? Sometimes we have to receive what he's given us by faith, even though at this moment... We don't feel any different. But he has promised me he was going to heal everyone here today that would receive it. 
Whether that's manifested today or tomorrow or next week, that's not my, that's not my business. He's the healer. I am not. In the name of Jesus. Come on. Did he touch you? Do you believe he heard you? Did you receive what he's, what he's offering? Can you give thanks for that? Because that's what the word of God says to do. The word of God says for us to give thanks. The word of God says give thanks. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. You may be seated. Now, what I'm about to do is not saying that you're not healed at all. Because I'm telling you right now. uh, I was in Baltimore a couple of weeks ago. and There were people that the day we prayed, they didn't feel any difference. But the next couple of days, there was a dramatic difference. This isn't about psyching somebody up. It's not. This is about receiving what he's promised. If you were you were in pain when you stood and your pain is gone right now, would you just hand us a testimony to this church? In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, I believe the word of God. I believe... That every one of you were healed and I I can wait to hear your testimony. I realize in some situations you might not be able to fully know that until you're in a situation to do what gives you pain. So we receive that. This isn't a show. This is the Lord loving us, doing what he can for us if we will receive it. Now, if you're in need of a physical miracle, whatever it is. You're needing a physical miracle. Whatever it is. Some kind of miraculous work in your body. I'm not talking about healing. Uh, Maybe you've got cancer. Maybe you've got diabetes. Maybe you've got arthritis. Whatever. Uh, We're not going to put on a show here with that. But if you are here and you're willing to receive... And believe by the love of God, he will heal you and make you whole. I want you to stand and pray. Hallelujah. You're in need of of a miracle. Hallelujah. If you're seated and can't stand, you you can raise your hands. The Lord will accept that. Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Come on. Hallelujah. Come on. You need a miracle in your body right now. Not for show, but because the love of God wants to be imparted to you in a way to confirm to you again that He loves you. In the name of Jesus, according to the Word of God, I command that you receive your miracle right now. We're not looking for a feeling, we're not looking for a sensation. We're believing God. In the name of Jesus. If you're going to receive it, Woo! raise your hands and say, Jesus, I receive it. And begin to thank you for it. Jesus, I receive it. And begin to thank you for it. Come on. If you were at the table and asked somebody to pass you the salt, wouldn't you at least say thank you before they ever thank acted you, to, to hand you the salt? You, so you want a miracle you, in your body? You. 
then you're going to be willing to thank him for it before you're aware of whether or not it's happened. Come on. Come on. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. I want to thank you. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Eliana Bokurata Tatabahaya. In the name of Jesus. Come on. Come on. Thank you for it. How long have you needed a miracle? Surely, surely you can thank him and praise him more than a, by faith, more than a few seconds. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We thank him and praise him without seeing, believing that he's going to manifest it. Whether he does it instantaneously, which he does sometimes, or whether he does it over a period of minutes, hours, or days, or weeks, that's his business. He, he's God, we're not. We don't tell him how to do it. We just believe him and receive what he's giving. Come on, come on. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 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 Now, again, this isn't about a sensation or a feeling. You can be seated. This is about believing God and receiving it. All I'm asking you to do over these next few minutes, hours, days, or weeks, or whatever, when it, you are aware that God has made you whole, I want you to just communicate with the pastor so that he can share the testimonies to whatever degree he's able to do that with the church so that the church will know that God has worked here today. You know why I like this, this way of doing things? Because when you're praying for a person individually and then something spectacular happens, uh, everybody's sitting back being entertained. So few people are engaged in those services. I've been in them. I've seen great miracles in services like that. But they moved very few people because so few were engaged in the service. They were spectators. God, how many, the, my wife referenced the woman with the issue of blood. How many were in that crowd that were jostling against Jesus and one lady got healed? Was his power not able to heal everybody else in that crowd? He healed the one who had the faith in his love, in his word, to receive it. That's not an accusation. I'm just telling you, it's that simple. It's that simple. Now, <laughs> now, now we'll talk about the most difficult miracles for us to believe. Okay? There are people in this room that are bound by drugs and alcohol. Uh, if you wanted to be like that, you wouldn't be here today. But you're here. And God knows all about it. And he is willing to set you free from that today. Today. He's willing to set you free from it today. 
whatever has you bound a captive. What do, you, what do you mean by that, preacher? I mean, you tell yourself you could stop anytime you want, but you don't try because deep down inside you know you can't stop. You have to tell yourself you can stop anytime you want, but deep down inside you don't. So if you're really in control, it's not a habit. Brother John said you can turn the air back on. Uh, not the fans, just the air. Uh, you try to tell yourself that you're in control, fine. This week, stop. Go, uh, go two weeks without smoking. Go two weeks without drinking anything. Go two weeks without using any kind of drugs. You're in control. Go ahead. You can't, God can't help you until you first acknowledge yourself you need help. Now, I'm not going to embarrass anybody here today because it's their testimony. But it would shock you the number of people sitting here who were alcoholics. The number that are sitting here who were drug addicts. The number of people that are sitting here who smoked for decades and God delivered them. Think of all the money you'll save. Think of how much better you're going to feel. And, you know, you know, when you're involved in all that stuff, you have to keep doing it because if you don't do it, you can't kill the conscience that's trying to talk to you about being involved in all that. So we're going to do this. I, I don't feel, I, I, I don't have a problem with asking you to stand, but sitting here right now, it's, this is between you and God, so we're going to leave it like that. Uh, Everyone here that has a habit that they need to be free from, we're all going to raise our hands. <laughs> but you're raising your hands. Most of us are going to raise our hands in thankfulness to God for freedom we didn't earn. It was given to us a gift. But for you, you're going to raise your hands that you need and want God and you believe God will set you free right now. Right now right now so we're all going to raise our hands so that we're all raising our hands together in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ if, if you've been set free give thanks for that and ask God to set the ones free who need that in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ I take dominion and authority over these spirits of addiction these spirits of, of, of bondage in Jesus name I command that you be set free in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ be set free be free in Jesus name receive it right now come on receive it receive it in Jesus name in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus come on come on you feel that there's a witness of the Holy Ghost in here right now come on Come on, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' Hallelujah. name. Hallelujah. Some of you have an addiction to food. Others of you have an addiction to dieting. You're not dieting out of for out of health, concern for your health. 
You're dieting out of an addiction. You could always be on a diet. Come on. Be free in Jesus' name. Be free in Jesus' name. Be free in Jesus' name. Come on. Come on, let's give thanks to God for this right now. Brother Wright, you mean after all these years I've struggled, it's just easy? When Jesus does it, it's easy. Come on, let's give thanks for it. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Most people that have an addiction do their best to hide that addiction from people. When you reach the place that you're not even trying to hide it anymore, that's how far gone you are. Now, everybody needs deliverance. The secret addict, whatever it is you're addicted to, social media addiction, Netflix addiction. I didn't say those things are wrong. I'm talking about addiction. Where you where you get jumpy if you haven't been able to check the news feed lately. Yeah. Where you feel like you, 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 there's something missing in your life because you don't you don't know what's going on. Some of you are addicted to the news. To the mainstream news, and then some of you are addicted to all that behind the scenes stuff. So you're you're involved in all that what's really going on stuff. I'm gonna tell you what's really going on. The Lord Jesus Christ is God, He's in control. Whatever He said is going to happen is going to happen. And there's not anybody who can make that happen without him allowing it. And there's nobody can stop it from happening if he's going to allow it. So instead of focusing on all that, why don't you focus on God? Because this is the next thing we're going to pray for. Now, not everybody here was in pain. Not everybody here needed a physical miracle. Not everybody here is an addict. But with this one, (laughs) if you battle the spirit of fear. Now, that's different than what I talked about last Sunday night. That was the spirit of timidity, of intimidation, spirit of fear of failure, spirit of fear of rejection. I prayed for that last Sunday night for those that are here. But if you battle a spirit of fear, you see what's going on in the world, you hear about what's going on. Some of you are terrified Trump's not going to get reelected. Some of you are terrified Trump's going to get elected. God have mercy on you. Would you like me to show you the verses where it says God puts up the one he wants, puts down another one? Oh, and by the way, according to the word of God, it's not because of a person's goodness or righteousness. In fact, Daniel says that God elevates the lowest or the basest of men to lead nations. Why would he do that? To prove he really is in control. I don't mean to be offensive here, but if you're into politics, you're into lying. Because when a politician opens their mouth, I don't care if it's your brother, your mother. When a politician opens their mouth, they're lying. It's a spirit of lying. Why? 
Because to get your vote, they've got to tell you what you want to hear. And all you're doing is voting for people that are telling you what you want to hear. Why don't you compare the track record of what they told you before they were elected to what they did after they were elected? And you'll know the spirit of politics. But some of you are so worked up about all of this, you can't trust God for anything. You can't trust God. I'm not being, I'm telling you the truth right now. If there's ever been a time the church needs to be delivered from the spirit of politics, it's today. Some of you are a registered uh, Democrat. Some of you are registered Republican. I'm a registered apostolic. Okay? And I don't vote for people. I vote for principle. Because that's what the Word of God tells me to do. You do what you want to with that. But if you're voting for people over principle, you're going to get exactly what you asked for. Well, I... No, no, no. Because when midnight strikes on the election day, it ain't going to matter to me one bit what happens because my trust is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And whether things get better or things get worse... God is in control. My God is in control. If your God is politics, I would say good luck, but there's no such thing as luck except bad. And there, after after they finally count all the votes to declare somebody a winner, there are going to be people mad and people are glad. But my feelings aren't going to change one bit because all of my focus and peace is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if the church comes under the influence of the spirits of the world, then the church becomes like the world. Praise God. And, uh, and, 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 you know, <laughs> I said this last weekend. Didn't intend to. Didn't come here to say it today. But God have mercy on those of you that have been a part of this church for any length of time. <laughs> and you doubt that our motive is to love everybody equally. We got 50 years of history proving that that is our motive. Why? Because we're loving the people Jesus loves, which is everybody. He loves everybody. I didn't just just come to the realization a few months ago because of a tragedy in Minneapolis that I needed to love everybody. That didn't, I didn't get a revelation from that tragedy. I've had that revelation 50 years plus. I've lived that revelation 50 years. 
and I'm not going to be intimidated by the Johnny and Run uh, uh, come latelys that want to make that an issue and judge everybody by it. I've been judged by it for 50 years. Because in this county, it doesn't matter which race you are. They've disapproved of Antioch for 50 years because God has done something here that they haven't been able to do. You go show me how many churches in this county have the history of diversity that we have. I didn't do that. I didn't do that. God did that. Because when he's God and he's allowed to be in control, there's not going to be any preferences shown and mistreatment of people because of race and background and all that. And you know what? There are people out there that are doing things that are now legal that I don't believe the Bible is in favor of. I'm against it. I'm against the action. But I have a history of loving everybody regardless of their lifestyle except the world says you're not loving them unless you pat them on the back and say this is good what you're doing is good sorry sorry it's not good I love you but it's not good so we're going to pray I'm not going to lump this in with anything I don't care what the source of your fear is You're afraid for the country. You're afraid for the world. You're afraid for this. You're afraid for that. But fear haunts your mind. Not 100% of the time, but it's there. Because according to 1 John 4, if you have fear, you don't have the love of God. If you have the love of God, you don't have fear. Put that on the screen. Let them read it. Instead of taking my word for it. 1 John chapter 4, let's go to verse 17. I'll read 17 and 18. 1 John 4, 17. Hallelujah. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness or confidence in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. Next verse. Listen to this now. There is no fear in love. But perfect, and that's the King James word for the Greek word that means Love that has grown up. Love that is mature. Love that is now trustworthy. God's love doesn't change. But my relationship with his love and my confidence in his love is changing all the time. It's either waning or getting stronger. But I can grow, according to Peter, I can grow in grace and the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And my confidence in God's love will grow so that I can have the previous verse. Says, King James says... Boldness in the day of judgment. The Greek word there for judgment is the English equivalent letters are K-R-I-S-I-S. From which we get the word crisis. And the word boldness there in the Greek is literally confidence. If I have the love of God and I trust to believe the love of God, I can have confidence in any crisis. Why? There is no fear in love. But perfect or mature, complete love casteth out fear because fear hath torment he that feareth is not made mature yet in love it doesn't mean you don't have God at all it doesn't mean you don't have the love of God at all it doesn't mean that at all what it means is 
you haven't grown in your relationship with the Lord to the point that you can trust His love in anything. And that is the will of God for you and I to be able to trust Him and His love in everything. And here's the lie. I can't help it. I can't help it. I just have, I'm just afraid. I can't help it. No. That's a lie. Why? Because faith is this. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So God speaks, written in his word or by his spirit, and I believe God, and that's faith. But these voices come into my head, and I don't acknowledge the source of them, and I believe them, and that produces faith. I am believing the stuff that's being put in my head. My Bible says, my son, cease to hear the instruction that causeth thee to err. You're going to act, you're going to become what you're hearing in your head, whether it's your imagination according to you, or you're listening to all these different voices that are putting stuff in your head, and you're believing them. Well, I want to know what's going to happen in the world. Uh, this is an iPad, but it's, I got 40 different translations in here, literally. So I'm, I'm using this to represent the Bible, all right? You can believe what the world says is going to happen, or I can read the back of the book. And I know what the back of the book says. We win. So I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. Why? Because I, I know what the back of the book says. I trust what God says. Well, that's kind of naive. Label me any way you want to, but it's worked for 74 and a half years. And I'm not talking about the stuff I have or the positions I have, but I wouldn't trade your life for mine, no matter how good it is. Because I've got peace and no fear. So, we're not going to stand for this. Just And you can pray or not pray. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I take dominion and authority over this spirit of fear, this spirit of torment. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I command every person in this room and every person watching online or will watch this recorded I command that you be set free from this fear it is not the will and the word of God for you to be afraid be free in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus I loose the love of God into your heart your mind your soul your spirit so that the love of God would drive out all fear in the name of Jesus in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I prayed for you a while ago. Did you get it? Okay. I don't, I'm not trying to be unkind. I prayed for you a while ago. No. You, he gave it to you a while ago if you received it. Okay. Amen.
That's right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. He just threw you under the bus, you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Jesus' name. Now, let's go beyond fear. If you're in this place and you're struggling with depression, maybe you're not calling it depression, but you have no energy mentally, emotionally, or physically. You don't feel like doing anything. You're not motivated to do anything. You're not looking for tomorrow, next week, next year. You know, you're just trying to make it today. And don't know how you're going to do that. You may not call it depression, but that's exactly what it is. If you have no hope or very little hope, if you have, if you have no expectancy, if your relationship with God is very stale, meaning there's no life, no vibrancy in it, if you're bored being a Christian, the problem isn't God. And it's not the church. It's not the preacher. It's not the singing. It's not COVID. Because you can't have a relationship with the one who spoke all of this into existence and it'd be boring. That's impossible. Having a relationship with Jesus is a lot of things, but it's not boring. It's never boring. It's also never hopeless. Never. So if I'm, my relationship with the Lord is where it needs to be, and I'm, I, I, I've gotten all my stuff that would separate me from Him repented of, and, and even if I have to do that every day, because I need a Savior every day, uh, because of that, I, my, you know, my relationship's there. I have peace. I seek peace every day. I receive peace every day. I receive His love every day because He loves me. I haven't earned or deserved anything. But you've been doing this 50 years. No, no, I haven't. No. I've only been doing it maybe 20 years. Thankfully, he's done 30 years of it. It just took me 20 years to learn how to let him do it instead of me doing it. But you're you're just discouraged. You're just... You just don't know you just have no hope for the future and you have no no joy it's depression it's a spirit of depression which is when fear has taken hold you don't even identify it as fear anymore you just surrender to what it says and now you are very discouraged with life Right where you are, I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to pray. We've already repented. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I take dominion and authority over the spirit of depression and torment that wars against some of the wonderful people that are sitting here right now. I take dominion and authority over it. I command you to be set free in the name of Jesus. I command you to be set free. I loose the Spirit of the Lord to give you hope, to give you confidence in His love. I loose the Spirit of the Lord in you to give you expectation of the future in Him, in Jesus' name. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, 
in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Through the prophet Jeremiah, the Lord said, I know the thoughts that I have toward you. They're thoughts of good and not of evil. To give you an expected end. You can't be depressed and believe that. Come on. I lose faith in the word of God in you. Confidence in God and his plan. God always has a plan for for the world, for the church, and for us individually. God always has a plan. Will you trust him? I loose the spirit of trust in Jesus' name. I loose the spirit of trust upon us in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Can you give me thanks right now? Thanks. Receive it right now. Receive it in Jesus' name. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here before you, we dismissed. How many of you would like to know absolutely that you're loved by God today? You would like to leave this service knowing that you are loved by God. Well, the Bible says the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. When we receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, we're literally receiving the love of God into us. God is love. So when we receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, we're receiving God because God is a spirit, a spirit, one spirit, not many spirits. And therefore, when I receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I'm receiving the love of God. If you've never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and spoken with other tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance according to uh, many places in the Bible, but especially the book of Acts, the Lord wants you to have this today. We're going to do something that is not normally done during COVID, um, but we're going to do it according to the guidelines. If you want to go home with the love of God today, in your life, working in your life, and you knowing, according to Scripture, you absolutely have the love of God in you. I want you to, if you haven't received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I want you to come stand up here. Um, leave six feet of difference distance between you. There's plenty of room. We can spread out however. If you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost today, you want to go home with the love of God. That's the Bible. Read it for yourself. Romans, Put Romans 5 and 5 on the screen so they can see what I said was in the Scripture. Okay? You want to go home with the love of God today. And you have never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. If you're not comfortable coming up here, you're welcome to stand where you are. We'll pray with you there. It's okay. We'll, we will accommodate your concerns. In Jesus' name. Okay? Praise God. Then everybody here has the love of God, right? Praise God. Sister Wright, let's close this service out with whatever you